welcome to the latest episode of Talking Talkie. It annoys the hosts when I uh, don't remember the show number we're on, but it's the latest episode, and with me today is Mr. Matt Parkman. Hello. Uh, I don't know what episode number it is either, so um, I'm here despite the fact that I'm married to the woman who tells everybody. No, we're calling it the latest episode, and that's what we're going with. She can, she can tell me what number it is if she likes. It's the latest episode, so hello everyone and welcome. Um, yeah, it's uh, myself, Stephen Dixon, and uh, Matt Parkman today. Uh, we've got a win and a draw to talk about. Uh, so, of course, we're going to be in fine spirits uh, as the Talkie United boys are bouncing back. Uh, I don't know how well irony plays on the audio format, but we'll we'll work it out. We'll, um, so we're going to touch on today, uh, Talkie United 1, Dover nil, and then uh, Chippenham 1, Talkie United 1. Have a quick look ahead to Worthing and also where we think... Uh, Squad could do with some reinforcing uh, without saying every position on the pitch. Um, so I'll start us off with uh, Torquay United versus Dover. It was a 1-0 win for the Torquay. Uh, and let's if, if I was writing the match report for this one, I would I would be describing Dover as hapless. Um, but a 1-0 win nonetheless. Uh, what, what was your takeaway from that game, Matt? Um, well, it's Brett and Gavin, isn't it, again? The same as it has been on no fewer than about seven separate occasions this season, um, including Chelmsford, Welling, Yeovil, Eastbourne twice, Weymouth, and now Dover. Um, off the top like, of my head, that I hadn't written those down. Uh, that looks like preparation to me. Um, yeah, it, it a win. I, like, I, I think happy with a win. I, I, I think um, I, had, I had a watch of Johnson's post-match comments. Again, I, I think that's... There's so, such a concerted effort to try and make sure that the Torquay fans are really happy with it. He, he said it could have been three or four um, and, and that we were all over them for much of the game. I, I have to admit, I, I didn't see it that way myself. I think Dover were an aggressively poor side. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, very much worthy of their place at the foot of a table in, in, in regional football. Um, but it took one moment of, of magic from McGavin. I mean... We probably had the better of the opportunities. Uh, there's a load of penalty shouts, which we can also talk about. Um, but uh, it, it was a moment of quality that won it in the end. But a game that, again, could have gone another way if if we didn't kind of just, just manage to get over the line. What, I, may, maybe I'm being too negative, but I don't know if, if you look at it the same kind of way as that. Yeah, we we did have, numerically, we had all the chances. But those chances were kind of they were better they weren't chances they weren't oh my god how's he missed that but they also exactly. weren't uh, we actually scored with the least chancy of all of them mm. uh, you know a 35 yard pile driver fine but the others were kind of goodish positions but if you'd have put it in from there any of them any of the dozen or so kind of not half chances but not guilt edge yep. chances yeah the opposition manager at the end of the game maybe would be saying, oh, goalie's got to save that, or we've got to close him down, or something. There's no, oh, wait, what can you do about a moment of quality like that? And I know I keep, every time I'm on this fucking podcast, I go back to the 2018 squad. But <laughs> opposition managers against us in that year, they were like, what do you want me to do? I've got 11 plasterers out there, and they're playing Lemon Evans and... Armani Little and I mean he wasn't with us, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. players of that standard, Asa Hall in his pomp, and we had Benny Winter at right back, and 
you know, various other people playing for a shagger and that. And you're going, what do you want me to do? We've lost 4-0. It could have been 12. We it's can't the, stop a team it, like that. It's the way it's the way teams play against Yeovil at the moment, to be fair. I mean, I, I don't like talking up Yeovil, but it's the, it's the same kind of deal where, yeah, if you're a Chippenham Town manager, then you're like, well, you know, uh, someone's going to tell me that Chippenham did you over earlier in the season, but uh, it won't be me. Yeah, essentially, like, yeah, what, like, what can you do? Like, when they're that good, we're we're not at that level. We're, we're yeah. I mean, we, we are dragging ourselves through the season. Um, and yeah, I, I, from my yeah, like like you say, we we there was no chance where you go, look, you should have put that away. Like, and and people talk a lot about uh, us needing some strikers that can finish chances there, there weren't massive chances I, I i don't mind i don't mind bradley ash he kind of he works but i, I think if you're you know comparing it to the 2018 side he doesn't get near that side i mean he's, he's a he's a decent enough workhorse and and um you know can finish when 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 in front of goal i think but we didn't really, as far as I was concerned, we didn't open them up to that extent where you were like, "Look, you've got to stick that in the net." Like it, it wasn't that kind of wasn't that kind of game. No, it wasn't. We weren't a poor decision or two away from really it being quite a comfortable afternoon. Why hasn't he squared it? Why is he gone with his right foot instead of his left? Why is he whatever? Why you know? Why has he tried to chest it down instead of hitting it first time? Whatever, whatever, whatever. It was all sort of oh we're kind of a little bit near their goal in the mm, but no the only thing I will say is we're owed at least at very least we're owed two stuck on penalties oh yeah I was gonna say I I think four four strong shouts two that I'd I'd probably say were were nailed on and and you're right because if those go in then it's a three nil win and you think okay um. But yeah, I I I I agree. I don't know what the referee was looking at for some of those. I, I part of me wondered that he he felt like uh you know he was one of those refs that's like well it's a man's game it's a contact sport best of luck out there. But a foul's a foul, and that's why the that's why the referee's on the pitch. Yeah, I mean you can't that does not extend to simply watching the the Dover left back get get a man run past him, flagrantly throw out a foot to kick. The talkie, I can't even remember which talkie player it was, but like kick him, just kick him over from behind. Yeah. And then get no, that's not a so like I, talk me through this, ref. Has he because he's gone down the screen for a penalty, which means if it's not a foul, if he hasn't touched him, it's a booking for diving. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with those as well. And and I almost think if he gave the booking for diving, then okay, I think it's the wrong decision, but at least he's you, you know, almost made a call. He's like, he's decided that that's what's happened. Yeah. Rather yeah. than just going, no, I'm not giving that. Because I'm not giving it. I'm giving nothing. I'm just yes. giving the goal kick. Means, yeah, he's, he's touched him, but the defender has caught the striker, but for some reason it isn't foul. Mm. For what reason is tripping a bloke from behind, not within two yards of the ball, not a foul. I'm going to need you to point me to which law in the little laws of association football book that all referees get. I'm going to need you to open the book to the right page and like run your finger down the page and point to the bit that says, oh yeah, if you get booed. I, I believe that's referred to as sods law, uh, which I, I thought was going to rear its head when Dover had a late shout for a penalty in that game as well. And I was like, this is going to, like he'll just give a soft one the other way. Just <laughs> and he wants it. It's not 
this maybe sounds like a criticism of the referee. It's not. Um, specifically of this referee, it's all bloody referees, mm. even up into the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. The, that thing from the weekend about West Ham and Bowen getting steamrolled in about the 109th minute. Yeah. When they've already given the penalty for something way, way let the elbow on the goalie and all that on Alphonse Areola and what have you. Like a complete fast. Refereeing is difficult. We understand this. Yeah. But like you help yourself, give the blatantly obvious ones. That one there and the, the similar incident in the second half at the far end in our game where he somehow managed to give the goal kick. Mm. It's a corner because he won the ball. That's why it's not a foul. It's a foul, in which case it's a penalty, or it's a dive, in which case yeah. it's a booking. The yeah. one thing you can't give is a goal kick. That's the only decision you... I mean, you, you can't give a drop ball on the halfway line for some bizarre reason or a, yeah. a throw in to Charlton Athletic. You can't give those. But like of the reasonable decisions that you could give, the one you can't give, unless you're booking for diving, is a goal kick. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I mean, we've 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 uh, gone straight for the referee there. Let's 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 go for a moment of quality that I think we can agree on. That Brett McGaffin strike. I mean, are you one of those um, yelling out shoot every time he's even on the ball in the opposition half? Is, is that like is that what you want him to do? Yeah, I'm <laughs> stunningly unoriginal. I will. I'll chant shoot at anybody. You know, I, I, I do. I do it to Moxie, and I know he strikes the ball really well, but I've. I can't remember off the top of my head him like absolutely smashing one in in the same way McGavin did there. Although I would absolutely love him to, um, but yeah, like he's that, and that's what McGavin's always had in his favour. Okay, he was again a poor player last season. I, th I think you can't really get away from that. But what he's always had is he's got a good right foot on him. Um, this is what annoy I say annoys me. I don't get hate over. So like I I I'd be glad to see the place bombed from orbit, but <laughs> like, and I don't I don't like the place and I don't like the football team specifically either. But like the surely looking at that goal, he's popped that in because every single Dover player has just stood and watched him do it. And surely, all right, they only train once a week on a Wednesday night for an hour, and the <laughs> manager has got a bakery to run or whatever the manager does for, for actual work but surely you've got to spend five minutes going right who do we think talk what's talkie's lineup going to be mcgavin is going to be in it because he's kind of a regular starter so you yeah. can over the course of a couple of hours research on a thursday or whenever surely at some stage you've got to go fucking oh this mcgavin he likes a blaster doesn't he and then on the coach on the way over, and it's a long old journey, they had plenty of time to watch, you know, YouTube of him doing it. Surely, yeah, the conversation has to be, whenever that McGavin bloke looks like having the ball 40 yards or nearer, closing down. Closing yeah, down. Somebody in his face. You don't have to matter Mark him. He ain't that fucking... He ain't fucking well, but, but you're right. But you close him down because he's not... I mean, uh, I, I, quite, I quite like a bit of a... Let's call him a cultured player, like like he is. But but close him down. He's not going to go around you. Like he's not that. Type. <laughs> no, there's, there's absolutely zero chance of you, of him. You know, drop a shoulder, nick <laughs> ball around you, little French step over, a bit of a pirouette. I and... think I saw him do a step over once, and I, I think it was a disaster. But yeah, 
stripped over the ball, dribbled <laughs> out for a goal kick. I mean, you, yeah. There's a player, if you watch the video of that goal, there is a Dover player. The ball goes past him mm. for, the, for the pass that gets to McGavin. And mate, he just stands and watches him. He's like, oh, it's all right. He's miles out. He's not going to hit that. And but that, but that's, I think himself. it's a, it's a rare bit of quality because I think, I mean, you don't, I'm not even talking about the rest of our team. No, no one else in the rest of our team, I think, can do that. Again, I like the way Moxie strikes a ball. He doesn't, he doesn't tend to hit it quite like that when he's shooting at goal. He's, he's, it's more of those crossfield pings, I think, for him. But um, I say he's probably the only player on our team that can do that. But he's pro- probably one of the only players in the league that will just like hit it quite so consistently from that kind of distance. Um, yeah. And you're right. Yeah, if I was on a Dover podcast, I'd be like, look, let Asa Hall have a ping from there. Let Tom Lapsley have a ping from there. Let Dylan De Silva have a ping from anywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the one person to close down is McGavin. But I mean, uh, thank God they didn't because that was a hell of a strike. And uh, and again, a bit of quality in it. In a game, I I think that Johnson would be disappointed to hear me call a, a rather drab 1-0 win. Yeah, I know. We should, that's what is disappointing me a lot of what is disappointing me this is, is we should have with our the difference of our resources and everything else we should have the ability to produce three or four even moments of that quality you know they don't have to be 35 yarders they just have to be a, a spell a patch of play a yep. move that we've worked up on the training ground or that we can do on the fly because these guys spend eight hours a day five days a week practicing playing in football yeah and we should be able to come up with three or four of those again and one of them against this opposition will go in i don't necessarily need us to be lemon hay evansing our way to the title by you know with over 100 points just three or four moments in a game where you go britain that that was to pick a recent example that was a problem with fucking hereford is Mm. at no point did we look like we'd met before, like we trained together every day for two years. It was just woeful. Uh, uh, all yeah, I no, I, I agree. Uh, again, I'm going to try and steer us back to a positive. Is is uh, Do you take a clean sheet at Dover and think that's that's good that we managed to, uh, a rare shutout? Uh, yes, when you haven't kept a clean sheet since the 70s, you've got to find even... It like ages. Am I being... When was the last time we kept a clean sheet? It's got to be a long time ago. Oh, months ago. We we blanked. No, we didn't even blank. Like, Weymouth, we beat in 5-1 from a bloody goal there. Oh, I've got it. Havant and Waterlooville, we beat 2-0. Uh, yeah, went over bottom before they sacked Dowson. That was uh, on the 11th of November, yeah. King? King, the ex-Dartford manager before they sacked him. That's the one, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, they were... Uh, they were okay, but it's not a surprise that we've scored the first goal and we've won the game. We need Torquay fan stats in here. He'll tell you yeah. um, that if we concede the first goal, we lose. And if we score the first goal, we win. And lo and behold, we've scored the first goal and yeah. um, and we've won. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about chipping them when we score the first goal and didn't win. Yeah, I, I was just going to segue us on nicely. I, I mean, I didn't know if you, if you had any thoughts just before we move on to that. On uh, again, Johnson's not doesn't earn um, massive credit. I think with some of his post match comments, I, I think you know he's he's been quoted recently saying that um, 
uh, I think it was after the Hereford game, he was saying it's as much his club as it is as everyone else's. I, I think he, he talked up that Dover game, uh, saying we, we should have had a few more. Um, but he also said, and I, I caught it in his post-match comments, comments, that we can't win every game four or five nil. Are expectations too high? Is that a, and is that a good comms thread Johnson should be treading? The expectation that a club whose average position over the last 120 years has been about eighth from bottom in League Two, playing in the non-league South, the expectations are we will at least be giving Yeovil a bit of a run for their money, not that we will be relying on the fact that this division is so shit that we've lost 11 games and we're a, a game-in-hand win from about third place to get to get us anywhere. I, I don't even think... Uh, it's, it's tough because you look at that league table and, and Johnson will say, well, look, we're seventh in the table and we haven't even hit our, our stride yet. Um, it's January. Well, think, we're we're running think, out of road, Gary. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're. I don't think as a fan base we're particularly demanding. I mean, I think there's there's plenty of other fan bases. I mean, you only have to look at the way Exeter City, who are in League One, which is let's face it, a rarity for them. I know they've been there a, a couple of years now, but they spluttered a bit this season. And all their fans turning immediately and and saying that they need to be doing better. They need to be pushing for the playoffs. And it's like, well, no. Um, I, I don't think as a fan base we're that demanding. I think what what we we realise the league we're in, and it's again one of the, the lowest league we're we're in, as uh, other than the last time we were here. Um, I, I think we just want a, a side that looks like it's a full time team in a part time league, um, you yeah. know. And like you say, it's those. I, I we yeah, we don't need Lemon Hay Evans and 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 Little uh, as lovely as 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 it is to have them, but if we could just have a few. Um, a few performances that look like we're the kind of grown up in the room. That'd be lo- that'd be lovely because I haven't felt like that in a while. Yeah, no, that that's just it. It's it is a little tiny bit embarrassing, if you like, when clubs do come to us and they're like, "Oh my god, we're talking away," and we are still mm. some teams big day out, and then they come to us and kind of we're rubbish, and yeah. it's a bit like could we not? Even if we win the game, it's like, mm, could we not do what we did a few years ago where we send teams packing? You know, we beat Oxford City 7 2. They're a division above us now. Yeah. And you go, oh, well, you know, these guys go, at least we had fun. Like we did at Derby County last year. We yeah, go yeah. away to Derby and we lose 5 0, but we have a nice time. Yeah, you know, we're able to to do the whole we've got the ball chant and then we've lost <laughs> the ball and we've got the ball. It's a good fun day out. And they were professional. Fine, they took a bit of luck. You know, that, that Mark Ellis' own goal got them off to a great start and everything else. But they then thoroughly dismantled us. They were better than us. They wasted time better than we did. But- better than us, stronger than us, bigger, faster, better in every conceivable way because they were a much larger club or they are a much larger club than we are. Yeah. If we could do that to other teams, when Worthing turn up and Bath City and Dartford, these other like fairly small clubs turn up, yeah. it would be nice if they turned up to play more and were like, "Wow, this is a this is how these guys behave. We want to emulate them," rather yeah. than going, "Oh, 
actually they're everything about us from the fact that we haven't got a canteen in the old fucking new stand all the way up to the way we warm up before games and the fact that an injury that at one club keeps a player out for maybe a game or two if there's a Tuesday night it keeps our blokes out for three fucking months because apparently we haven't got physio we got some boy from the local comprehensive who comes in in a slightly creepy voice offers all the players massages as if that had a broken leg like I, I just want us to be the professional club we profess to be yeah, because yeah. it's very difficult to act the big and give it the big and on Twitter when your club is rubbish, and that's yeah. really all I live for. Yeah, I, I just I I, I almost think I, I think um, and we'll touch on on Johnson's comments again, I'm sure, but I don't I don't mind like I think he's always been a little bit arrogant, and I think probably to be a professional football manager, you you, you probably need a bit of that about you, and I, I think he's he's got it. I think still, I don't mind it. The the reason I don't mind it is if you're winning games. I think it just falls on deaf deaf ears when, and okay, we've won some games this season, but you don't have you're not you don't have to be a football expert to see that even the games we're winning, we're kind of dragging through it a, a bit. You know, it's not it's not total football, so it it's hard to it's hard to listen to some of his comments in in um when you see when you see it with your own eyes, it, like you. It, it's almost like misinformation sometimes with what he's saying in his post-match press that conferences. Is, that's what's actually really genuinely is what he's doing for me. When you've got, and I don't want to stray too far into the rest is politics, for example. <laughs> um, but when you exist under a government that lies to you all the time and big swathes of, and this is going to sound real tin, tinfoil hatty, but I mean like the Telegraph, not the BBC. You've got ministers lying to you when you've got swathes of the media telling you sort of things that are not true. Like, for example, putting out a poll that says, would you vote for Keir Starmer or some mythical third person who has magically got perfect alignment with all your views and has solved all your problems? And then they print that and it still isn't 100 to zero. Ridiculous. Um, it's a little bit disconcerting then when your football manager starts telling you, Oh, you know, I was, it's as much my club as it is yours, Gary. I dedicate, I have dedicated 20, 20 seasons now. I have been part of groups that have refurbished toilets and but... uh, painted steps, and I've sold 50 50 tickets and I've given lifts to ride to games that I probably wasn't actually going to go to totaling 600 miles to supporters who dress like where's Wally who have broken their legs and can't drive I was going to say is that is that Matty Haywood does he has he paid you back for that lift yet he's <laughs> not Matty Haywood no he hasn't um and I have I've got home at 4am on a on a Wednesday morning when I've got work at nine the next day and I've paid fucking 22 quid to get into Swindon to watch us lose 1-0. And I've I've gone to, I've driven from Devon to uh, Fleetwood to watch us draw 0-0 on Fleetwood's first ever game in the Football League. And what a day. I, you know, I've, I've sponsored players and games and balls and I've done all these things and I've paid money every single time to do that. You've been here five years. You've earned conservatively half a million quid doing it. 
and we are three places better off than we were the day you took over. It's not 100% Gary Johnson's fault, that, but he has to shoulder some of the fucking blame because it's his players that are useless. All right, he, they're players he has signed within the constraints of the budget given to him by Pinocchio or whatever his stupid fucking name is, Osborne. <laughs> He's yeah, no, I, players I, that, that are willing to come down to us. Now, I don't, I've never bought that. That's bollocks. If players would go to Dover, which is a real third water backhole, backwater shithole, players will come to us. If players would go to Yeovil, they'll drive another 40 minutes down the road and come to us. If players yeah. would go to Exeter or Plymouth or Truro or Carlisle or Gateshead or Wrexham or Cardiff or Newport or any of these strange small places all of which are fucking miles from london which seems apparently to matter they'll come to us yeah we don't absolutely. offer them something else so these are players he is operating under a, a, a constraint if he had wrexham's budget and man united's facilities and everything else and we were where we were it would be his fault and his fault only the, the blame doesn't lie entirely on johnson yeah but he has to shoulder some of the responsibility because they're his players playing his way with his tactics, doing his thing. And if they aren't, if he says, oh no, every time they step over the white line, they just do what whatever they like, that's his fault as well. That's actually yeah. worse because then he's staying in a job he can't do. Yep, no, so, I agree with that. I, I think mean, we've gone into some depth there, but we'll we'll um we'll touch on the Chippenham game now. So obviously, like you said, Talk United took the lead in that one as well. Will Jenkins uh Jenkins Davies, is that what he's called? Um, getting the first goal and then uh, turning from hero to villain. That's what I would have written in my match report. Uh, from hero to villain, getting sent off in the second half and uh, chipping him immediately kind of scoring in, in, a, in a few minutes after that um, and and getting a, a one-all draw. Again, I think this just, it feels like the pattern from the season where you, you almost look at, Immediately after the Dover game, okay, we both just kind of ragged on it a little bit. But you go, look, it's three points. If we can, if we can win at Chippenham, then it's the start of a of a run. And I think we're all we're all kind of hoping. We've had this habit under Johnson of of getting into a bit of a groove at some point. I mean, last season we got into that groove way too late. Even that season where we were in kind of mid table mediocrity, there was a time towards the end where um, we kind of put a bit of a run together and started thinking about the playoffs. Um, I think we're all just, we're all hoping that we might find a bit of a, a groove at some point. So you, you kind of take that Dover game, one nil win, take it on the chin. If you then go and back it up with a couple of wins, but it feels like the story of the season where you just can't get any momentum together. I mean, a, a one all draw at Chip, Chippenham. And I, I think that, I mean, I was again, watching the post-match comments. Um, and I actually, I actually took the time to look at, Chippenham Towns manager's comments and, and I forget his name because he we're in the National League South and I and I don't <laughs> care. Um but, but um uh he he said he felt like Chippenham edged the first half and edged the second half and he said they they really should have gone on to win the game. I, I'm not sure that's the way I, I quite viewed it. Um but again Chippenham 15th in the table um there, if if you if you're going to get promoted, those are the away wins you really need to be picking up. Um, I, you know, they win your home games, draw your away games, and you're in a good shot. Um, but you've got to win some away games, and our away form is 
utterly dreadful. Like yeah, we're sixteenth not... in the form table overall. You know, it puts us in that bottom third of this fucking division on our away for it's not. I, 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 how is that the case? I because I, I I remember in previous years. I, I mean, going back decades probably that we talk about bad away form in when we were in League Two or the National League and say, oh, it's because we have to travel so much further. You know, we don't do the away days. It, you know, we don't stay in a hotel, so it's harder. Now we, we've sunk low enough that we're in a regional league. So what? there's no excuse there in terms of those travel restrictions. Yes, we have to travel a bit further, but God, with a professional side. But with it so ag- aggressively average, I feel like is the main thing I'm saying today. Yeah. Um, but just on the road, like it, it, we were 1-0 up. And even with 11 men, I didn't, I didn't really have faith in us keeping a clean sheet it was always going to be a second goal or 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 capitulate as far as I was concerned Hmm. um and when Jenkins Davies was sent off I think it says something about the mentality of the team that we immediately concede Uh, maybe that's maybe that's unfair in in the scenario but it, it just it just feels like you know as soon as something goes heads just drop and oh well that's not gone to plan like we're in trouble here and yeah you know even even against a bunch of plumbers as you or plasterers as you've been calling them you can't give them an inch because they're all good footballers that you know they're they're not full-time players but that if you if you don't turn up they'll um they'll score goals like they're 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 footballers who are trying to put the ball in the net yeah i i don't the whole the, the whole idea of being perturbed by the fact that these guys have got day jobs is that like surely just they will be better players. The best amateur players will be better than the worst professional players, which is exactly what we've got. Because yep. we're the lowest ranked professional side in all of Britain. So we are the worst. We have the worst professional players. Yeah. And the best amateurs, they will be better. Uh, but like the the issue I've got is that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Uh. Like you can hard work. Surely, 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 even if you are 10% worse as a player, which ours probably are than the better of the amateurs, which is who we play every week, mm. surely the fact that they get to spend fucking eight hours every day, five days a week practicing, that's together, that's got to be enough to overcome the skills deficit. Even I think, I'm, maybe this is too simplistic, but I just think, well, you know, like you say, we're training six hours a day. Why? This is way too simplistic, but it's just the way it works in my head. Like, why don't you just spend one day doing set piece routines, and then when it turns up in the weekend, you've got a way of scoring goals. The idea that all of our corners way of looking at it—they're completely ineffectual. Our set piece, our corners, and that. Yeah, they don't. The goalie, uh, you know, against Hereford, we had I don't know seven or eight corners in the second half. Three of them just got headed away, and the others, the goalie just came and caught. And we've got good set piece takers. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It feels like there's no invention, and, and I think that's when, that's when, and I, 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 I'm not one of those fans who likes to go flitter between Johnson's a hero and Johnson's a villain, but it's it's things like that where it's almost like a lack of imagination that you start to think, you know, you know, have some people got a point as like as he. Is he at the end of the road here? If it, you know, would that—that's when the natural questions get asked. Like, w- would a younger manager have more 
uh, to do, and I, I think that the age thing is probably a bit of a misnomer, but would a different manager, I suppose, ha- have more ideas up their sleeve? And it's things like that where we've got good set piece takers, we've got players who can whip a good cross in. There um, are, there are. I, I don't generally like to sort of because the Premier League is its own thing, but there are clubs in the Premier League who've got throw-in coaches, <laughs> let alone set piece coaches, because every facet of the game is important. Every element of the game is but Some are more important than others. But we've seen over the last couple of years throughout the entire football league pyramid and around the world, the fashion now for playing out from the back, that fundamentally changes the game. Whether your goalkeeper kicks the ball long or short completely changes the nature of the game. Mm. It's bananas to think that if you, are, if you can get really, really good at set pieces... You couldn't change again. You could win this division on set pieces alone. If you had five corner routines that you just cycle through, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, every time you got them, you can play the game like Wrexham do, or certainly did for a couple of years in the National League, where they had Ben Tozer inside who could throw a ball further than he could kick it. Right? So Wrexham would play for throw-ins in the final third. That was how their play was. It, the ball went wide because they I, didn't I, give a shit. I, if they I'll got... tell you this, Bentoza's, yeah, that's the only reason Bentoza was in that team. Exactly. They had all this money and all they signed was a bloke with a massive throw and a couple of clodders to, to smack the ball in from three yards. That was how they won that division. Mm. And, like it, That sounds like I'm having a go at them, but if you've, no, got, no, a plan, effective. you've got a game plan. Yeah. I've been saying for years about Torquay, that what we need to do to get ourselves promoted, even when we had Buckle, I said, what we need to do to get promoted from the National League is sign a load of players ahead of Woking. By which I mean six foot six, 18 stone, absolutely no talent whatsoever. Ben Gehring, if you're listening, this means you. And just hump the ball up in the air. How many times have Torquay fans watched opposing sides with no talent whatsoever and yet they've gone away from playing more with a one nil win from a set piece yeah so I, I... All just waked into the box and the massive bloke at the far post gets his noddle on it and it's one nil and you can't do anything you can't you can have all the danny stevenses or dylan de silvers you like when the left back <laughs> weighs 17 stone and just puts his arm across you go on Fast boy, run past me. You can't uh, do it. Doesn't matter. I, I look, I'm a I'm a fan of direct football as well. I'm just not sure I'd lean quite as hard into hard as into it as you would. If what you want, I'm not saying that that you know I'd be happy to go and pay me money every week. But if you want to get promoted, go and do it. Fast and dirty will work. You're 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 right in the sense that I well I, again we've seen it I I've been sat at Playmore when Carl Hudlin came off the bench and scored a couple for um and he he can't kick a ball for love nor money no it's he's usually a lot of these players my thing often is if he wasn't you know if he was five for eight he'd be stacking shelves at Sainsbury's he wouldn't be a professional footballer and that applies to Sir Akin Fenmar was he a good footballer absolutely not has he got a a drawer full of medals from stuff he's won yeah. Fucking right, yes, because it's huge. And All you... right, so I think your your shopping list in terms of that transfer market is a bunch of six foot eight blokes that are twenty stone or more. That, yeah, that do. You'd, we'd okay. win next year's title at 
at a canter and it, they keep us in the National League the year after as well. And then you can bin them off and get, uh, what's the winger called at Barrow? We got him from Port Vale. He's brilliant. Whitfield. Uh, Whitfield. You can go and get Benny Whitfield back and you can go and sign Kiefer Moore on loan and all that and play that football again. But just for now, like, well, if, if you cut your arm off or cut your hand off and you need to stop the bleeding immediately, putting the iron on, waiting 30 seconds for it to get really hot and then smashing that iron into the wound, this is not medical advice, by the way, will stop the bleeding, right? It's not my preferred choice of long-term prosthetic solutions, yeah. but it will stop you bleeding to death in the next well, 30 seconds. Well, we, yeah, we got your... We, we got your, we'll just touch on some... Uh... Some submissions we had online. We are we asked uh, talking talkie from at talking talkie on Twitter or X, sorry, as as I should say, uh, where they'd like to reinforce the squad. Uh, Barnaby says uh, Ash Ash isn't up for it. We need more firepower up front with Lapsley and Martin fit. The defence and meal, midfield looks okay, but I'd like us to bring in the, an experienced winger, Dylan De Silva and Archer blow hot and cold. I think I think that's all probably fair enough. Uh, yeah, I was like, I think everybody, I was really quite excited by Brad Ash and he's just not. He had one good season last year. I don't imagine he's going to be getting anywhere near that level again for anybody, us or anybody else. You watch, he'll go back to fucking Weymouth or somebody score at 40 goals next That's year. The thing, I, I, I don't think he, I don't think he, I don't think he's bad necessarily. I just think he, in a, in a fully firing talkie side, he, he's probably a, a good bench runner, um, whether that's running the channels, you know, or just parrying centre backs and being a bit of a nuisance, I I don't know. But um, again, you could just say it's maybe our maybe our tactics aren't aren't playing into him, and and he struggled a bit without Jarvis. Um, we've also had another comment in from Smuffle, which is an enjoyable uh, Twitter handle to say. Uh, he said he wants an ex instinctive striker, a goal scorer. Ash works hard and tries, but simply isn't a goal scorer. Uh, we hold our breath for Jarvis to come back. And yes, a great target man, but away from the penalty, penalty spot, not a natural goal scorer. Trouble is Gary can't find one. Um, do you think Jarvis is a natural goal scorer? Would you, would you take issue with that? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he is. You're looking for somebody who's got... I'm going to use Smuffle's words, an instinct for goal and seems to have an idea of where to put the ball depending on how it's come to him and where everybody is and, you know, a, a finisher, essentially. Somebody who kind of knows where to be and when. Um, Harry uh, Kane's the ultimate. Well, and, and Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure we're in for Harry Kane, but to be honest, I, I, he, he's right. I mean, an instinctive goal scorer, I think there's probably a long queue of clubs for looking for that kind of player. The... I mean, it's essentially, you know, you're looking for that kind of Jamie Reed finisher. Um, but you're, you're going to have to, much like we did with Jamie Reed, I suppose, you're going to have to try and find, almost find an instinctive solution to a player. Whereas, because I don't think anyone at the start of that National League South season thought Reed was going to go on and bang a load of goals in. Um, but, like, we almost reinvented him a bit. Um, and and Johnson Johnson was key to that, to be fair. Um I think, yeah, and and Reed's a good example because okay, he's, he's relatively quick, not not blistering. Um, he's 
you know, fairly strong, but not a big target man. You know, not not terrific at, at heading the ball. This is going to sound like I'm insulting him for everything. But what he could do is stand in the right places and knock the ball in the net um, and sniff out those chances. And and I'm sure the reader files in the in the Talkie United chat are probably having a go at me now. But I'm not saying he's not a good player. He was a, be- a very good player for us. But what he what he did was um, almost what Johnson did to him was made sure he was stood in the right place. Just you know, make sure he's in the box, knocking balls in the back of the net. Just it. you know, the the ball is going to end. Where is the ball going to end up? And that a, a lot of the time I find with so many of our players is they don't really seem to just have that mm. that instinct. To it's all get, reactive. It's all reactive. It is reactive. Nobody really, and it applies to Jarvis and Ash and everybody else. They don't seem to want to sort of get in front of their man. Yeah. But the ball is on the right wing. Dylan De Silva is going to cross the ball in. I'm I'm going to get to the near post. I want to be ahead of my man, my man when the ball gets to me. I don't want to peel off the back of him because then I'm going away from goal. If the ball comes in high, I can't head it. If yeah. the ball comes in low, it's going to get picked off either yeah. by the goalkeeper or the defender that I've now allowed to get in front of me. I just want somebody to sort of fight for to to get into those positions but they mm. don't not because they can't but because they don't seem to know and that's where somebody with a bit more Jarvis is the best at it that I think is where Brad Ash loses out he's just never- I think that's what I, and I think that's what I think Johnson was hoping that he'd be able to kind of mold Ash in the same way that he kind of helped read out um but I, I almost think and I, I remember this I remember this for a long time from our when we did um Legends of the Leroy era in mm. those heady heady days I remember Leroy saying that what he did with David Graham was tell him to stop running in a in a weird way like because he was he was trying to move and stretch defenses all the time and and what Leroy said to him was look you're in the right spots like the ball can move around you if you're there to stick it in the back of the net and I almost get a sense of that with Ash he's so keen to be busy and uh you know, almost rile up the pop side, and and I mean, pop side loves it when a when we when a striker puts in a bad tackle. Um, but you know, so keen to be busy and buzzing around that I, I'm not for one minute saying he's at the same kind of level as David Graham. But it's just that that same kind of just thinking about which runs you want to make, which where do you want to be? Do you where do you want to receive the ball? Do you want to receive it down the channel with your back to goal and three defenders behind you? Or is it better kind of waiting out that that opportunity a, a little bit? Um, yeah, I, I think a bit of a puzzle in our in our forward line that perhaps we haven't got anywhere near solving yet. Yeah, they, they all they all rush around and work hard and whatever else, but they're busy fools a lot of the time rather than just being mm. Berbatov esque, simply getting where you want to go and standing still and knowing the ball is going to get to you. You know, yes, there is a talent deficit between, and that's and that's not saying don't make movements off the ball. I think we need more of that probably in general, but it, it it's making the right movements off the ball. <laughs> you know, as as I said, it it is that it's that channel ball. Do do you really want the ball down that channel with three defenders behind you? You know, you've got to got to um, think with your noggin. Pass um, with a purpose was Martin Ling's thing. When it passed with a purpose, but also, you know, run for a purpose, go somewhere for a reason. 
Mm. Why, why are you stood there? I mean, you could do that in training. Get right, go and kick off, lads, where you go. And 30 seconds in, simply blow a whistle, stand still, and ask every single individual, why are you stood where you are stood? <laughs> Considering <laughs> where your teammates are, where the ball is and where the opposition is, why are you on the exact position, the, the one square foot of space you are occupying? Why are you yeah. there? And if they can't give you an answer, ah, well, gaffer, centre-back's here, ball's there, there's space here, there's a run there, there's this. You've got, yeah. to, you've got to know. Otherwise, you just, well, I don't know, gaffer, I just, I have to be somewhere on this two-acre pitch. And so I just fucking picked here because the sun's shining and I'm a bit cold. Like, you've got to, and I do wonder maybe if that, something like that, we had a player who could give better answers to that in the box. Maybe we'd be doing slightly better. We'll um, just touch on briefly, Matt, um, uh, uh, Devon Live article that, that has sparked some debate in the week, let's say. Um, uh, so uh, Richard Hughes penned a penned, let, let's look, an opinion piece is, is just that and is, is probably meant to inspire a bit of debate. Um, uh, the chief assessment from from the piece, uh, the headline is, how does negativity help talk United when it feeds opposition players? And and I suppose the central point of the article is 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 saying that uh, during matches, having a having a pop at the manager and, and and wanting him out doesn't help doesn't help players on the pitch, doesn't inspire them. I don't know. I don't know what. I'm probably asking the wrong person, being a man who's very vocal in his own podcast about <laughs> about feelings on the pitch. But what what's your kind of take on that uh, the the Gary Johnson get out of our club kind of chant that that Richard's taken a a bit of offence to? The first time after I think it was the first game after we came back from the game that nobody talks about. One of the first away trips we made was to Solihull Moors and we lost three 0 and they we all knew how they played. The talk the whole week beforehand was Solihull are a real Matt Parkman team, by which I mean they're all 11 foot tall and all they do is get the ball in the in their own penalty area, smash it 80 yards, both high and long. Somebody gets their Swede on it and somebody follows in. That's all they've got. So what we got to do is defend against that. And we were 2-0 down after 20 minutes from two identical goals that involved a bloke getting the ball in the solly hole and smashing it long, blah, blah, blah. We lost 3-0. And we were rightly cheesed off because we all knew what needed to be done and we didn't do it. Absolutely nobody was singing, Gary Johnson, please leave, go away, whatever. It's not your club, it's our club, whatever the chant was. We were all pissed on the fucking hell. What are we fucking playing at? But nobody was asking for that. And then <laughs> another year went by and we'd finished, you know, 11th or wherever we finished that year. Another year went by and we were down the bottom of the National League, which is already a whole division below where we should be. But we were down the bottom and we were sort of, a, there were odd grumblings of, mm, well, maybe Gary's time is a little bit coming to an end, but mm. maybe not, hmm, don't know. And then we got fucking relegated. And mm. only now are we saying, come on, Gary, it's time to go. We've been shit for three seasons now. This and that's is why I think, as, as a fan base, we're not, I don't think... Uh, I just think that that threshold for that level of discontent would come a lot earlier as a lot of other clubs 
Um, like yeah. you say, we've been a very poor side for for a while. For ages. And it's not all Johnson's fault. It absolutely is not. We are a very badly run club from top to bottom, everywhere from the tea lady to the chairman. Really, not, not one of them is fit for purpose. I didn't expect you'd have a pop at the tea lady, but there you poor go. old Maggie, the tea lady. Um, but you know, uh, sort of semi sensibly, our catering's a fucking shambles, isn't it? It's <laughs> food's awful. It's pricey. The queues are enormous. They don't open. They don't employ enough staff. It's just everything at the club is wank. Like, <laughs> absolute rubbish. Uh, that's a lifelong talking fan. Um, I mean, some of the other clubs that we go to. So it's not all Johnson's fault. But I was saying to the people around me at Hereford, to booze, interestingly, from, I say booze, I mean, funny looks, from older people. Younger people seem to want in gum. The older contingent, I've found, are happy to stick with Johnson. I do wonder maybe if there's a bit of experience in there that says, no, give him a bit more time. I don't know. But you've got, as I see it, we've got four options. We can sack all the players and get new players in we can sack the board i.e osborne and matey and get somebody with deeper pockets in to fund like better player whatever we can replace the manager and hope that makes a change or we can accept the status quo and do fuck all mm. can't do one because no club in history has ever sacked all 26 players or whatever mm -hmm. We're, it's not in our gift to sack the board as much as I'd like to. And by sack, I do literally mean bundle them into a sack with some bricks and throw them into a river. Doing nothing, where well, you do nothing, you get, you do what you've always done, you get what you always got. So we're stuck in the non-league south because we ain't going up unless we do something. Which kind of leaves the fuse, the circuit breaker, the collarbone of the whole situation as the manager. It might not be that he carries 100% of the blame, but unfortunately he's going to have to carry 100% of the can. we got to do something, and the only thing that practically we can do is ask Gary to go and into retirement and get somebody else in. I'll be very sad to see him go, but it's time now, because we've got to do something. Uh, yeah, I think that's... Uh... Sparks a bit of a chat. We'll um, just briefly look ahead. I've said briefly a lot in this pod again. It's Worthing in the weekend, um, uh, a team that's already gubbed us 3 0 this season um, and are currently second in the table. I, believe. I think they are. Yeah, it's been a bit annoying because we played them when they were top and they were really good. About week two, they slaughtered us. And then they were down as low as about 10th or 11th a few weeks ago. Now they've picked right up in their second again, and we got bloody playing when they're good. I like yeah. playing teams when they're rubbish, to be honest. I, I think that's fair enough. But again, they're one of the sides, so they're, they're second in the table, have played 29 and have 50 points. We're seventh, have played 27 and have 45 points. So again, using your completely, you know, bag packet mass, we, we could overtake them with our games in hand. Who would have thought that? Uh, um, yeah. uh, along with various other teams that are on 27 points as well. But uh, I've played 27 games. Um, what, what's your thinking ahead of this one? Is this a game where Johnson might be tempted? Like, if you offered him a point, would he take it? I would say so. They score a lot of goals, didn't they, Worthing? And we concede quite a lot of goals. So, I mean, you know, you've got to fancy him 
if they score first, I say obviously did because they beat us three 0 They score first, it might be a really long night. If yeah. we score, if we can get the first goal, I mean, I don't care how it happens, really. It, but if we can get the first goal, I'd rather it wasn't in weird. So like when we beat Yeovil in the trophy, you go a goal up after thirty seconds. It's not you're not really a goal up. <laughs> you haven't you haven't earned that by being better and having a better game plan. Yeah, something weird has gone on and you've got a goal up. I'd rather we kept it nice and tight for the first 15 minutes, got a, started to get a stranglehold on the midfield, scored a good goal, and then looked like a cohesive team. Fine. Yeah, I mean, the the the, the only thing, I think Worthing, I mean, they're second in the table for a reason. They're obviously not a bad, a bad side. They've been a bit streaky. But it, I, I always look at the goal difference because I just think it's a good indicator. Mm. Worthing's goal difference, plus 17, Ours plus six, yeah. it just kind of is a, another kind of case in point. Although uh, even then, though they conceded more goals than us, but have scored more. Like they're, um, yeah. I I I think we could be in trouble here. Much like you say, um, if if they score first, I think we could be on the end of a hiding. Um, but I'm going to go for a score draw. That's what I'm going to go with a one all. Okay. What about yeah. you? You know, we were doing predictions. Yeah, we're doing predictions. Um, I am afraid I think we will lose 3-2. I think we'll do our level best. Um, but just just the way our luck is going. Um if it was and, and would that defeat be a, be enough for Johnson to get his marching orders? No, no, he could he could be on he could have a video of him. Don't 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 say whatever. No, don't say whatever you're about to say. <laughs> no, I I think there are very few circumstances, up to and including those which would be illegal in 48 states, where Gary would be asked to go and do something else with his time. Um. <laughs> um. Uh. Have we got any other business, Matt? We've we've gone around the houses today. Is there anything else you want to? chat about uh you got any issues with airline food or any other kind of no i um uh, i i will say if you want my opinion on airlines etc i will say only this it's worth it just for the food if you pay the extra to go further forward in the jet um i i don't eat on aircraft um in circumstances other than if i am in business or better because uh, they give you real food and real cutlery and it's it's genuinely quite nice, some of the food. Um, look, you, look you, you can keep this classist stuff straight off the podcast, Parkman. I'm I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. If your company is paying and you you know you don't arrange for the fare reduction and pocket the cash, seriously. I was I was upgraded for free once to club class on uh, British Airways, uh, and. When they called me Mr. Dixon, I was like, wow, like we're here. <laughs> Made it. <laughs> and yeah, the real cutlery. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't smell like it does in the back of the jet. I mean, the food, like, you know, the rest of it is, is air, aircraft there. Um, have I got any other, genuine, any other business? No. I'm frantically searching my boards for things in case I have. No, I genuinely don't think I have. Um, no. Nothing happened in the world of football. No one's no. died. 
in which case, uh, let's wrap up today's Talking Talkie. I've been Stephen Dixon. Thank you for joining me, Matt Parkman. It was an absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, please join us next week when we'll have a couple of other mugs on. Goodbye.